Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao, where I chat with awesome people about their cultural backgrounds, their creative process, and how they continue to grow as human beings. I've had a ton of awesome guests on the show, and you can find them all at coffeewithbao.com. That's where you can get in touch too.、Um, I'm hanging out with a fellow Asian American musician. He's a professional drummer, audio engineer, and a music educator. He performs with theaters, orchestras, recording studios, obviously, and、uh, a few bands, including Hello Noon, Kristen Lin and the Foxgloves, Ryan Casada, and you might have heard him play drums on my track "Beautiful Things."、Um, his band Hello Noon has been consistently releasing great content over the pandemic. We'll talk about that. Here's my friend and collaborator, Kyle Dombrowski. Hey, hey, Val. My brother, thank Yo, you for doing this. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me here. What five miles away? I think. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll be even closer soon. <laughs> It's so funny because we recruited Kyle into the band just before the pandemic hit, so we've never rehearsed in person before. <laughs> Kyle, you called it like a ghost band or something earlier. How do you feel about、yeah. that? Um, it's weird. Uh, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> I've never been in a band this long and, like, you know, not played. Not played I actually、person. haven't even met the other member. <laughs> you know, we're all getting vaccinated, and、uh, hopefully, we'll be in the same room soon. So,、um, in the meantime, I appreciate you joining me digitally for this, and、um, I'm excited to like just talk to you, learn more about you, and, and share your story. I realized as I was like doing research for this that I don't know that much about your personal background. <laughs> I know you're from Illinois.、Um, you went to school around Chicago, and I know that you are from an underrepresented part of an underrepresented group, and、um, that is basically that you are an Asian American adoptee.、Um, can you kind of fill us in on your personal background a little bit? Sure. Yeah,、um, I was adopted as like an infant. I have an older sister who's also adopted. She's、uh, three years older than me. I grew up in Springfield, Illinois,、um, with two amazing, supportive parents. That's、uh, awesome, Bernadine and Pete. At least in my eyes, like I feel like I grew up norm, like a normal sort of Midwestern family.、Uh, yeah, played lots of soccer,、uh, did music. Started on violin actually, and then switched to drums in high school, just because like I was really into Lincoln Park and watching <laughs> watching the the just like Rob Borden play live like was pretty awesome. So I don't know. At some point, I asked my mom for drumsticks, and I, I just like I got them in a pad, and then started like watching the videos and playing like on the floor. I, I guess. Oh、just、wow! Imagining I was like. No, playing each. Wait,、like、so you, you didn't、kit. actually have a drum kit? You were just like banging on stuff. Yeah, not when I started. Like that's so this was、cool. even this was even before like I actually started lessons. My mom, like she was a music teacher. My dad, like was always supportive of it, it too. So like, she just got me sticks and I guess to see like how interested I was in drums. And then as、yeah. after a certain period of time, like、uh, I started taking lessons. Like when did it click to you that like? All right, all this music stuff is cool, but like drums is really cool. <laughs> oh, probably like sophomore, junior year of high school.、Mm. Like I started, like I entered band playing drums, but then like 
there's something I don't know, like therapeutic about it, and like yeah. just like I was really sort of almost like obsessed with it. Even like a uh, study hall, I I wouldn't go to study hall. I, I set up something with the band director where I could just go into the the band room and practice for like an hour. <laughs> Freaking or, nerd! <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, from there, I went to Eastern Illinois University, just like in the middle of a cornfield, basically. But it's it's an awesome awesome place, really beautiful campus. And then that's where I guess I had my first like sort of eye opening percussion experience. Like that's、mm. when I saw like you know full percussion ensemble and just like all of the instruments that I hadn't seen before. Like、mm. you know five octave marimbas, like you know lots of timpani, yeah,、um, vibraphones. Yeah, so took lessons from Jamie V Ryan. I think still to this day, like I think he's probably. Had the the biggest influence on me and like my development as a percussionist. Yeah,、um, definitely like exposed to a lot of different styles of music when I was in that program. I'm like super grateful that he took a chance on me because like I was a music minor, but he still like you know gave me the full instruction that like a music major had too. So yeah, that's really cool. When you were growing up, like as a kid. Um, I'm gonna make some assumptions here, so I'm sorry. Like in Central Illinois, I assume it wasn't as. Now you're in LA, right? And I,、yes. I assume your your growing up experience wasn't as like diverse culturally or or racially.、Um, were like all your friends white, basically? Yeah, <laughs> I,、uh, there were. I did. I don't. I didn't see many Asian people in my area. Definitely, like grade school, like elementary school, middle school, there were maybe three Asian kids. Wow, four at the time, and like one of those was like my sister.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's more diverse now there, but、yeah. definitely when I was growing up,、uh, it, there weren't many like Asian families yeah, in, within my area. I assume like. Until you went to college or something, there probably wasn't as diverse of of people to hang out with.、Um, aside from like inviting you on to like share your talent, obviously, and and your philosophy behind music and stuff, I really wanted to talk to you about your perspective of being an Asian person、uh, adopted by non Asians, basically, and growing up with non Asians. If it's cool with you, I like really want to dive into that later on in the conversation. And yeah, talk about that. I think that's such a cool perspective to share. But you said you started in music pretty early, right? And and your parents were super supportive. I guess was that because your mom was like a an instructor, like a music instructor, that it naturally led to that. Maybe, yeah. She was like she studied music in college. She taught at a high school.、Uh, she was a band director there. And then when my parents adopted my sister and me, like she became. Like more of like full time parent, stay at home parent. Yeah.、Um, but like she and my dad just really believed in arts, music, and like how you know beneficial it is to have a creative activity like while you're growing、yeah. up. Lucky you, man. <laughs> <laughs> while you were growing up, did your Asianness ever come up within your friends as like, you know, hey, why are you Asian? But like. You're not definitely like in maybe like elementary school. Like that's when I started to realize that 
I didn't look like everyone else. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, some people would like make fun of me because my eyes were like different <laughs> shape and stuff like that. <laughs> that and sucks, then, dude. Yeah, but uh, I'm still sort of more like internal. I don't know. I keep things like inside, less so mm. now, but definitely like more back then. So I didn't mm. really tell my like mom or dad about some of that bullying. Um, mm. But I guess when it did come up, I don't know how, but like when I started thinking about like how I was adopted, like my parents um, were just like open about it. And I do remember a time when my mom even showed me like birth certificate and like, mm-hmm. you know, just like who I guess were my biological parents. Wow. And she was just like open about that. Yeah. But being so young also, I didn't like, like once I had that sort of explanation or whatever, then I don't know, it's just sort of focused back on being a kid again. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I'm going to like try to ask you more about that later on. Um, you went to college for psychology <laughs> with a minor yeah. in music. Well, actually, you went to undergrad for psychology. Yeah, and then you trans- psychology. And then you went to UC- USC later on for music, right? Or UCLA. Oh, UCLA. Yeah. Apologies. I know there's some Go like Bruins. rivalries there. <laughs> 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 Was the psychology decision kind of like the safe decision? Maybe. I was also, okay, but like in high school, I, I took two psychology courses and it just like was really fascinating. Like mm. it really interested me. And going into college, like I really didn't know what like I wanted to do. Yeah, I, I feel I like majority of people, like even as adults, like don't really know what they're doing, but you just mm-hmm. sort of try to do things that interest you. So at that time, I, my two main interests were psychology, music and soccer. But then also like my logical brain was just like long-term, I wouldn't be able to play soccer, you know, just mm. physically body can't handle it. So I was like, I, I wanted to spend more time doing music. So that's why I chose psychology and then a minor in music. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. How did it feel to like come out to Los Angeles after kind of living all of your pre-20s life in way less populated and way less diverse Illinois. I'm still like getting used to it. Um, like I, I've been <laughs> out here for like what year? What year did you arrive in LA? I, I visited in 2014 with my mom, so I, I checked out some schools and then tried In and Out for the first time. It's actually <laughs> actually pretty good. <laughs> um, and then I, I moved uh, out here 2015 mm. in September for like the first year of graduate school. music performance i'm still not used to just being surrounded by like buildings concrete (laughs) i like nature (laughs) i sort of like open space uh so i don't know sometimes i guess it feels a little uncomfortable but yeah uh, i'm I'm getting more used to it that totally makes sense like instead of nature we have taco trucks on every corner according to fox news (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm I'm really happy you're here. I'm really happy you're getting to like connect with with people like me and you know other music folks around town. And um, I'm really happy that you're able to 
follow through on this music thing. You've been working in various capacities within music for since you got here, I guess. Um, I'm actually going to read some highlights of your work so far. You've been teaching drum at high school. Um, You've been acting as an audio engineer for other artists. You've been playing with some theaters, the Hooligan Theater Company, Shinbone Theater Company, um, which is actually like pretty not like a pop band. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty interesting. Uh, You've played drums on a few music projects for film, including Ferris Transformation and the film Noose. And then you've got, what, three or four bands that you're playing with. Hello Noon is your primary band, Kristen Lynn and the Fox Clubs, Ryan Casada, and of course, Bao and his beautiful boy band. However, <laughs> we haven't even been able to play in person. <laughs> um, Hello Noon, with Hello Noon, you guys had a chance to like do something for the Special Olympics a couple years ago. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we all met at UCLA and then just like we all sort of had the same mindset of like wanting to impart like positivity in the world. Like my other friends in the band, like they've volunteered with like Special Olympics before. And actually, like when I was an undergrad, I uh, volunteered with Special Olympics um, for like one of their local events. So mm-hmm. like it was sort of interesting, like we all came together and we still like had this mind- like minded mindset and then formed Hello Noon. And, like, this song, Run Free, that we did, um, we just, like, knew, like, we wanted to, like, involve, like, another, like, an organization, like, we've had a connection with in the past. So, Uh. we reached out to Special Olympics, and they were super supportive of it. So, then, yeah, we were able to interview some amazing Olympians in this local area, uh, had them in our video. And then performed at their Pierre del Sol. So special Olympians, like they already do like amazing things. But mm-hmm. with this experience, I saw like all the other amazing things they're doing, like outside of sports. Kaylee, like she's an actor and just involved with Best Buddies. It's really inspiring, like how they're doing so much and just inspires you to keep trying to improve yourself and spread more love and positivity too. I love that. I was describing Hello Noon to somebody a couple weeks ago, and I was like, you know, it's like pop music with really good vibes, and I just feel like they're really wholesome people. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, because, like, you know, a lot of bands are like, don't call us wholesome, that's offensive, but you guys really were proactive about doing things such as the Special Olympics, which yeah. um, is super inspiring. Um I think, like, we we're just, like, being ourselves. I don't know, like, chance, luck, like, we all, like, found each other. And yeah. So it's, like, yeah, really amazing thing. We don't have to, like, try to be anyone else. We can just do what we do. Like, we have common goals with the music and how we want it to affect people. Yeah, I love that. You guys have put out, like, half a dozen singles or something, or five singles throughout Three. the pandemic. Um. And like three videos or something. You guys are productive. Three, three or four. We're in the process of recording like an album. Yes. Too. So it's like during at the start of the pandemic, before we were all like vaccinated, we would still have like weekly meetings, like talk about, you know, what we're doing as a man and still doing as much songwriting as possible. 
Mm-hmm. And then like once we were able to meet in person, it's been just like full force, like forward, like. Cool. That's awesome, dude. I kind of want to give you the space to plug and shout them out a little bit. And then, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to. Uh, sure. Yeah. People can find us at hellonoon.com. Uh, that's our website. You can find links to our music, music videos. And then we're just all on all the social media platforms, mainly Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So, and TikTok pretty soon. Um, <laughs> be on the lookout. Yes. We might start doing that. Uh, I'm talking with Kyle Ambrosky. He is a professional drummer, audio engineer, and music teacher here in LA. Um, his main band is Hello Noon. It's a orchestral pop band with a really positive message and like I said earlier kind of a wholesome vibe that um, I really admire and um, they were founded through kind of a joint interest in like social activism which is really cool to me um, he's also the latest drummer in the Bows beautiful boy band yeah. <laughs> you can hear you can hear him play drums on the track beautiful things on my debut album perpetual heartbreak and find Kyle at KyleDombrowski.com. I'm going to spell it for you. K-Y-L-E-D-O-M-B-R-O-S-K-I.com. Let's take a little break. Hey, it's Val. You know, sometimes I feel insecure about even calling myself an activist. I mean, all I do is make art, right? And hope that people feel something or think or address certain topics that I care about. And that's not exactly the highly visible type of activism that they write about in articles, right? Uh, But I'm realizing that that's not true, you see, because art inspires and art moves you to action. Art makes people feel like they're not alone. Um, Essentially, art matters. Uh, So I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation that helps empower artists of color with the resources and the support system that helps them understand that their voice matters. And there are now dozens of high-profile articles about the impact of our nonprofit, uh, which makes me feel kind of good. If you think that I'm talented, you should see some of the artists that we've been working with at the Slants Foundation. But we need your financial support to do our thing. And that means money. We need you to donate money to the Slants Foundation so that we can nurture the next generation of cooler, better, smarter bows. (laughs) So if you can't afford to, please make a tax-deductible donation to the Slants Foundation by going to theslants.org and tell them that Bao sent you. All right. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. See ya. Let's get back to the show. I actually really admire that Hello Noon is a band, right? But the vibe and the sound really gel with your mission of like doing good and being good and and spreading good. And um, when you guys started the band, did you actively like kind of discuss that? Or was that something organically that just grew out of your personalities together? Well, Steven, the singer, uh, guitarist, and I met doing a music outreach program at UCLA. Mm. And so we actually spent like a year trying to find band members. Um, oh, we wow. Like once we found everyone, I don't think we like necessarily mentioned like 
we want to make our music like spread positivity, joy. <laughs> you know, we were just trying to be authentic to us, us ourselves and yeah. um, incorporating all of our unique musical backgrounds. The discussing of like, I don't know, I guess more of the mission of the band came later trying to figure out like who are we as a band and the, the cool thing about that though was like before we even like were open about this discussion like we'll have a similar mindset of wanting to have music that imparts like positivity or like creates excitement or joy in someone's life so yeah yeah like, yeah the beginning yeah we didn't really discuss it but it was just all already there yeah um i think that's really cool like finally you know if organically congealing around that whole concept and um it really shines through the music if i were to just describe it like that's that's exactly how it comes through so uh good good job on your guys's part um where do you want to take this band next like what what do you think you guys would be like super stoked to do with the band well i mean we always we've always wanted to go on tour uh so like right now so like pandemic, like you can't do that. <laughs> um, we haven't had a live show in a while. Yeah, obviously we want to perform anywhere we can and to share our music and create like amazing experiences um, with whoever's listening. But like since that's all sort of up in the air, like mm-hmm. we're just trying to connect as much as we can with fans, sharing music online, and mm. trying to form like a community, which we actually we do have an online community and we're like, we all like talk to each other weekly and that's awesome. Yeah. If I were to simplify that question into, I guess, another question, like what is the dream act that you guys would consider to play with, to share a stage with? Share a stage. Um, well, my, my personal goal <laughs> would be to have like every band I play with to just have them on the same tour. So like, I literally Cute. have like a full night of playing drums. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what mainstream, more established artist or band we'd want to share a stage with. Like Arcade Fire is pretty cool. Some of the bands I enjoy listening to actually wouldn't really fit with our, our style. It's like I, I I do enjoy metal music. Oh, interesting. Um, so definitely wouldn't fit in with like Slipknot. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that'd be an interesting um audience. Yeah. You've been playing with um music styles that are more electronic based recently and um I read in a different interview with you that you know that's not something you're totally used to or have a ton of experience with yet. But um how do you feel about whether it limits or it opens up doors for you to express yourself? to kind of play in a more rigid mechanical style electronic music sort of does set certain like limitations but then still within that you can be creative so like well i guess it depends like whether it's like a dance type electronic or chill vibe electronic music but like so so the the feel or the groove it's either like more metronomic or a little like loose but like when it's more like locked into the grid even though like that aspect of it is like very strict i think there still is like a lot of room to be creative and it's fun to like play off of whatever programmed elements too yeah 
Cause like, that's cool. What I would be hearing my ears, like I would think of it as like them being like another performer on stage mm. and how you're listening to the other band members. Now that we're all on zoom and stuff and yeah. we kind of have to socialize and read our social cues through these little screens. <laughs> I think that's like a good comparison for non-musicians um, to think about like, Playing to electronic music, you're, you can't read those personal cues in person, but like you kind of pick up on other elements and turn that into the musical interaction that normally happens on stage or in, its, in the same room, right? Yeah. As you develop as a musician, you do develop a sense of like, what are like the smaller phrases and what are like bigger phrases within the music. And so like, even like program music, when the program elements are done really well, they will still have some sort of shape to it. Then when I'm performing with it, it still has a somewhat like natural progression to it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's so cool, man. Um, I think that really shines through in the work that you did on my single, on my track, Beautiful Things, because obviously what I sent to you guys was very like stupid, <laughs> really basic. It wasn't stupid. It's, and I, ideas are never really, stupid. By the way. <laughs> I mean, it was really basic, right? It was super mm -hmm. rudimentary. And I wanted really to leave it to you and Tim to kind of build that rhythm section and see where you swung the vibe of the song. And um, all together, it was like super successful in, in my view. So I'm really happy with that. I, I think for me, as a, as a mentor and not a proper teacher, when I teach certain like technical skills, to some of my mentees, I feel like it's also, there's repercussions into their personal character as well. And yeah. that's like something that's really fulfilling for me to not only teach, you know, either a music or a business related or a design related thing to somebody, but also realize that it's going to have impact on how they interact with other people, how their level of professionalism, their level of experimentation and open-mindedness too yeah um so that for me i think is where i get my kicks out of being a mentor definitely yeah what's the most interesting or most fulfilling part about teaching to you because i have a sense that you're going to be continuing to teach for a long time in your career um yeah, with like teaching percussion it's a very physical instrument uh so it's like teaching is like helping develop like a sense of like awareness of how you use your body. But then musically, like you're like helping like students like develop a more like complex, like creative way of thinking. Cause like music is pretty subjective. Like you can play one passage of music many different ways. Yeah. You know, one way is like the right way or there's like lots of different right way so uh i think like when it comes to teaching like the or like the thing that keeps me or drives me to do my best is like seeing the moments when like the student like sort of like gets it um yeah or like or like yeah like they're, they're trying really hard maybe to figure out a certain technique or how to play a passage of music that is how they're hearing it yeah um, and when that happens like that's an amazing the moment. aha moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that is a nice feeling. That's one of the yeah. That's what keeps me going. Plus, like just helping, like you mentioned, like 
you're, you're developing skills that they will use in other aspects of their life. Yeah. Um, I, I really love what you said about music being, you know, um, there's so many right ways to do whatever music thing you're thinking of. And I think a lot of people get turned off by music education as children because a lot of music educators at an early age are like, just practice this technique. This is the right way to do it. And so mm -hmm. I, I think for you as a, an instructor to have the philosophy of like, Hey, there's like 30 different right ways to do this, you know? And I feel like drummers are like athletes basically. And, yeah. um, it really depends on your body, your person, how you relate to the instrument too. There are some general rules like to playing percussion, like being relaxed. People on the outside, like even though we're playing really loud, they think we're like really like hitting the drums really hard. <laughs> but actually, you're just like, you know, being smart with like physics, staying relaxed, like letting gravity, velocity and gravity do the work for you. Nice. So like when it comes to, I guess if there are some right ways to doing it and like learning percussion, like being as relaxed as possible is one thing you always want to be. But actual techniques like there's yeah so many different ways to play and the most important way is the way that allows you to express like what you are hearing musically yeah i love that so between the teaching stuff and um being the band at a theater or playing in live bands or studio work like all the stuff that you do in the music realm is there like a favorite thing that you want to do more of or is the variation something that you're like truly after? I think a variation. I I, th I think of like things like that I would like to do. So like I would like to do more touring at some point. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm like I try to stay in the present, like focused on like what I'm currently working on, and from there it sort of like develops. And like over time, like I I've started doing different things musically. So like I came out here to LA, like, like studying percussion. I still do that. But then also like while doing that, I like found a passion for like recording too. Yeah. Or audio engineering. Uh, so I, I would say like the pandemic has allowed me quite a bit of time to really delve deep into that and uh, study it and learn it. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you guys, I'm talking to the professional drummer, audio engineer, music teacher, Kyle Dombrowski. I keep uh, adding an R to your last name, Kyle, because all your social media handles says Drumbrowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find Kyle at his website, kyledombrowski.com. So um, this current moment in history and culture is kind of weird for Asian Americans. And for a person on the street, like you're just an Asian guy, right? <laughs> yeah. I was really like into inviting you on to share your story um, because I really wanted to learn about your experience as an Asian American adoptee. Um, like I said earlier, you're part of an a very underrepresented group within an underrepresented group. So even Asian Americans, as we think of them broadly, um, 
almost don't really know about your experience that much as an Asian person adopted, you know, by white parents and growing up in a white environment. Um, how do you think your experience as a child um, compares with how you've been seeing things as an adult these days, especially with all this stuff happening? Like, has your view of your identity changed or has it been challenged recently? Yeah, um, I think growing up, I didn't, besides like the times like when I'm like bullied for how I looked or, um, you know, went that moment when I like was wondering like why I don't look like my parents. Um, besides that, I, I think, I don't know, I just viewed everything as like normal. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have an idea of like, like the, the Asian culture, like what my friends who grew up like with their Asian families, like, like I, I didn't have that. I, I grew up with like, I guess some more like traditional, I don't know, American American style yeah. family. Funny. Um, my parents did like, they didn't want to like take away my like ethnicity or like, like where I came from. So like, yeah. Actually, my middle name uh, has my first name that I was given when I was born. So, like, my middle middle name officially is like Joseph Dash Sung. Um, so my parents oh, kept it's combined Sung there. Yeah, yeah. And then also like growing up, my parents would take my sister and I to uh, these like Korean picnics. Um, like, there was a local Korean church. And they would take us to the Korean picnics. And I, I guess, like, showing, like, this is an important part of, like, who I am, too. Even though yeah. I didn't realize it at that time. Looking back, my parents were supportive in that sense. Um, totally. Being surrounded by so many, like, Caucasian people, it also gave me a mindset of, like, it was normal. Shout out to Kyle's parents. You guys seem amazing, super supportive, and really mindful about, you know, having a child that's going to be outside of his element in the environment and really being mindful of that. So your parents sound awesome. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, like growing up, like being around like a lot of white people, I don't know. I didn't feel like that was weird. Yeah. Um, it was just normal to me. And looking back now, I think by having that environment in a way, it sort of like sheltered me from the sort of the racism, I guess, um, of being like not looking like other people coming from a different background. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I never didn't think much about like any of that. I just sort of focused on what I was interested in and kept trying to do the best I could. Um, but then lately looking Asian and being Asian American has like made me think differently, more different than when I was growing up. Cause like, yeah, I've, you know, I have faced some racism like within like last year. Like definitely like when the coronavirus came around, like, I don't know, people were just different because like <laughs> they thought I was the one that brought it over. Um, and then like I have, you know, other people telling me to go back where I came from. Um, but Clearly where I classic. came from was actually Springfield, Illinois. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's really interesting of a perspective because like, like you said, you, you never really thought that much of it when you were a kid, you know, and now you're kind of faced with it, like it's kind of put in your face. And I was just 
really curious to see how you felt about that. Do you ever feel like within the the topic or the community of the Asian American um, community, when we all tell our stories about like our cultural heritage and all that, do you ever feel like you're an overlooked part of that community? And how how closely a part of that community do you feel personally? I don't know if I ever feel like I I feel left out the Asian community, but I do still like wish like I I knew more about my ethnicity, my culture. It's like I I live in Koreatown right now and a lot of people just start speaking Korean to me. (laughs) And that's when I I do feel weird, like um, not being able to speak Korean back to them. Yeah. But I've never like, they've never made me feel as like an outsider. Um, but I know like everyone else's experiences are, are unique. Yeah. Totally. Do you ever feel like, or have you ever felt like within the Asian American community community that Asians have discriminated against you? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. I've, I've heard of instances with like other like friends, but or at least like that was like presented to me. Who knows what people are saying sure. going back, but you know. Yeah. Because the adoptee population is like a small part of the AAPI community as a whole, what do you think Asian Americans can learn from hearing your story? And like, how can we as a group be more mindful and more inclusive of everybody? I think when like Korean organizations or other Asian organizations have events, maybe even say like open to, in my case, like Korean adoptees, they actually like explicitly be more inviting of Mm. people who were adopted like me. Cause like, as I do, I get older, like I do wish like, I don't know, I had more of like the Korean Asian culture as a part of me, like growing up, but uh, that's, that's still something I can experience. So like, I'm not super sad about it. Like, sure, sure. But I think it, it would, for Asian organizations, like it could be helpful for adoptees, like if they were more explicit or just like, you know, inviting, like, yeah, that's a really good point, Kyle. Um, I know that a lot of my South Asian friends feel sometimes left out within the conversations about AAPI, Asian Americans and stuff. And, um, I think it's a similar thing, right? There, there's just not, I think we just have to learn about, communicating in a more inclusive way. And uh, I mm-hmm. hope that like more stories like you, yours are shared so that it becomes more commonplace to proactively include adoptees when we have events, etc. cetera. Um, so that's cool. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate um, you doing this on camera too. So um, it's totally optional for you, but like, as you get older, do you ever regret kind of not, being as involved in your things that are related to your ethnicity, like as a younger person, or do you feel like, all right, now I'm an adult. I have full control of my life. I can actively go pursue that. Um, I don't regret not having the growing up with like the the Asian culture. Um, but I do like at times, like I, I don't know, I, it would be nice. And yeah, being an adult, an adult now, like I can, I do have more control and I can be proactive. And for me personally, I can start learning Korean um, and just like learning more about 
the history. Yeah, totally. I, I, I totally agree. And I think we all have a role in, in that. Like we all have a responsibility to be inclusive and be inviting, you know, and be proactive yeah. about including um, people who have felt left out traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, besides like music and work and career related stuff, is there anything that you've been working on leveling up on as just a regular person? Um, probably, yeah, within the last few years, just trying to be more well-rounded in like all aspects of like my daily life. Mm. Um, so like in the past, I would just like be in a practice room for <laughs> hours, like almost all day. And that's definitely not, not good. Great for your mental well-being. So just, uh, trying to incorporate like more hikes, um, just walking, Trying, very LA of being, you. doing other activities outside of like music, like yeah, helps. Um, for me, bike riding, like, is another fun thing I like to do, and or trying striving to be more well-rounded like that. I think I, I come back to the music with like a, I'm like reset, like it's a clear. Mm. Yeah, I totally get that. Clear That's perspective. Really, yeah, definitely. You've got to have a life in order to have music. Otherwise, you're just repeating the same things over and over. Um, life inspires I, music too. Yeah, I, I totally I've get you finding that out. A lot of creatives get locked into their routines and their own style and their own personality. And sometimes I, I'm guilty of this myself. It's like sometimes we struggle to continue growing as artists because we get so locked into our routines. For example, when I launched Logic to create a new song, most of the time I'm using a template. And it kind of locks me into my same approach every time. Um, but for you as a, as a teacher and obviously like a, a lifelong learner, you want to continue to expand your musical palette and your, your life palette as well. Like, do you have any tips or techniques that you've been practicing to continue to expand your creative horizons? Right now, I'm like really focused into like the mixing it's like processing audio. So we have the internet. There's so many great mix engineers, producers that put free videos, instructional videos online. So like when I have time, like I search on YouTube and just explore like other people's techniques and seeing what, what they're doing, how that results in like how it affects the sound. By doing that, it's increasing my vocabulary of um, what's possible out there and how to achieve certain things. And then, yeah, just to keep things fresh, sometimes like if, like if it comes to like writing a song or starting with a new song idea, like I sometimes like, yeah, it's, it's beneficial for me to just pick something and see where that takes me. Because like being a trained musician, doing music for a long time, like you just have natural like instinct to when certain things are played. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to try to let that take over sometimes and not overthink. I love that. I, I think that's so funny because in, in art school and in art, my art education, or they taught me about like how all these famous artists came up with ways to add more chaos and more randomness into their process. And as a youngster, I was like, why would these dudes do that? They're like so established. They have such a cool style that's recognizable why would they want 
to throw themselves off the horse <laughs> like, mm-hmm. deliberately. And like, as I get older and I do more music and do more art, I totally get it. Like you want to throw in that chaos and, and those, the randomness because it's such a trap to get locked into your, your process. Right. I think I've been doing the same thing, Kyle, in trying to go random as much as possible. And one of those things is just playing with people like you, right? And reacting to the weird stuff that you come out with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all like, really have such unique experiences, like, musically. So, yeah. and, and it just comes out when we play. And being musicians, we're listening to each other. So it's all sort of elevating everyone to a different new thing. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah. I love that about it. Um, where do you think you get most of your knowledge or inspiration from right now? Where do you learn the most from in terms of just being a person? I think um, like living with my girlfriend. Well, we've been living together for a while now, but like definitely during the pandemic, we've been spending more time together. So like us talking, um, mm-hmm. just like having that relationship helped me gain insight or better insight on like how I am and like, I don't know, just how I think sometimes. Mm. I, I'm so with you there. Like these conversations, right? Like just talking to people People. and I hope we can do a lot more of that in the near future. Now that we're both vaccinated. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kyle, thanks for doing this, man. I, I appreciate you just spending time and, being open to sharing your story with me and whoever's watching. Um, and I really, I really hope we can get in, in person in the next couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, thank you, Val, for having me. You guys, I've been hanging out with Kyle Dombrowski. He's a drummer, teacher here in LA. He appears on my track, Beautiful Things. You can play that and vibe out to Kyle's drums. Um, you can find Kyle on his website, kyledombrowski.com, K-Y-L-E-D-O-M-B-R-O-S-K-I.com. Um, Kyle, hang on for a second. I'm going to give an outro and then I'll come back and say a proper goodbye to you. Cool? Okay. Sounds good. Guys, this has been Coffee with Bao and Kyle. If you like the show, you can help me out by subscribing or sharing this with your peeps. Um, also, if you can financially help me in creating all of this content, you can buy me a coffee or uh, like do a monthly donation thing at coffeewithbao.com where you can find all of my past guests as well. These are really cool conversations, so I hope you've enjoyed everything. Thank you again for having Coffee with Bao. See ya! You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.